Well, good morning again, brothers and sisters. I was just out back, and uh, the head of security, Jim Deal, made the comment that, um, why aren't we talking about the third sacrament in the Baptist church, which is casseroles? So <laughs> I'm not talking about casseroles. He's watching and protecting us from out there this morning. But it, it's good to be with you, and it's good to preach God's word, uh, as it always is. I, I love doing this, and so thank you for the opportunity to share God's word with you and think about it. Have you ever noticed how backwards Christianity is, or the message of Jesus, how countercultural it is? It, Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive. That doesn't seem natural to us. Like, I like to get things better than giving sometimes. He says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He says to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. He says, if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. God chooses the foolish to shame the wise. God's power is perfected in weakness. And Jesus gives us life by offering up his own. We receive approval and acceptance before God based on nothing, nothing that we have accomplished, but only by grace. And God rescues his enemies and makes them family. A lot of these things don't make sense to us. It seems so backwards. Of course, over the past five weeks, we as a church have taken kind of a break from our typical pattern of preaching, going book by book, chapter by chapter through the Bible to consider the topic of the church. Pastor Josh started this series off for us by asking the question, what is the church? Who runs the church? And we talked about membership and church discipline. And of course, over the past two weeks, we considered baptism and the Lord's Supper. So if, if you haven't been with us these past few weeks, and I would consider you to go back and listen to some of them or all of them and just think about what the church is and what it ought to be doing. This morning is our final sermon series, um, as Pastor Stephen will be back with you all next week as we get ready to send off, as I mentioned earlier, Lovettsville Baptist Church and the team that's going with them. So this is the final sermon series in this church basic series that we've called it. And it's also my final sermon as one of your pastors here at Hamilton Baptist Church. And it will be my longest. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think this will be my final sermon here. Stephen and I have a contract that he's actually going to come to Lovettsville Baptist and preach. And I'm going to come back here and preach. So... Uh, we haven't signed the paper yet, but we should probably do that this week. Um, so, Although I'd like to be there when you preach, so we have a lot of details to figure out. But this morning, I want us to consider another aspect of Christianity that seems odd. I, I think it doesn't seem natural to us or for our best interest. And it's found in Galatians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul calls the churches of Galatia and the Christians in those churches to carry one another's burdens. In other words, you must be involved in the lives of other Christians. You must be. And so if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that this sermon today, as we consider this passage from Galatians 6 and some other passages, as we conclude our series on the church, I pray that this will help you see and solidify your need of the church and the church's need of you, Christian. I pray you give your life to the church, the building project that Jesus himself guarantees. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, really glad you're here. We're really thankful that you're here. And I pray that you too would learn something from this sermon today, as we call them. I pray that you would see the message of Jesus and understand who exactly he is and what exactly he's done and why do we gather each week and read from a 2,000-year-old book and sing songs and pray to him. And I pray that you would see your need of Jesus and follow him. So Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bible this morning, you can turn to Galatians chapter 6. 
And it's in the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul warns the churches of being enticed or lured into what he calls another gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there's imposters. And of course, our nature tells us that there's something we must do. If, if there's a holy God and we have rebelled against him and incurred this debt, there's something we must do to merit favor before God. That's what our nature tells us. But that's not what the gospel tells us. There's, it's not the gospel to say that we must accomplish something before God can or will accept us. The good news of Jesus declares that although we have rebelled against God, we can be made right before this holy and good and just and perfect God by faith. That's the message that Paul says. And not only that, when we respond to the gospel message, this good news of Jesus about his life and his death and his resurrection, God then empowers us with his spirit so that we may live like Jesus. That's what Paul is showing in this entire letter. And it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. This gospel message is for all people. When anyone trusts in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and repent of their sins, they're new creations. They're no longer under these stipulations of the old covenant. This is Paul's message. And as his letter comes to a conclusion, as he's winding up in chapter 5 and chapter 6, Paul reminds these churches that they have not been given freedom in Jesus or this freedom from the law or freedom from bondage of sin merely for themselves. You're not, you're not a Christian merely for your own well-being, but also for the good of others. In chapter 5, verse 13, he writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Use your freedom that Christ has given you for the good of your other brothers and sisters in Jesus. And Galatians chapter 6 shows us that if we're going to serve one another in love, if we're going to do that and follow the leading of the Spirit, then we will have and we must carry one another's burdens. So let's read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is for all people as Christians, but skipping to the end, he says, particularly, specifically, I'm thinking about those who are in the household of faith. And this makes sense because he's writing to churches. And I think what an opportunity as we close kind of this church basic series to consider this passage as Paul is writing to churches, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And here's the main idea I hope to portray and get across to you all this morning, and it will be our outline this morning as we kind of consider this passage and some other passages. And it's this, Christian you are not meant to follow Jesus alone. In fact, you can't. So carry one another's burdens and be committed to your leaders. Let me say that again. Christian, you are not meant to follow Jesus alone. In fact, you can't. So carry one another's burdens and be committed to your leaders. That's what we're going to consider this morning in Galatians chapter 6. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, thank you for your word. 
which you have revealed to us. Thank you for those authors that you inspired, and especially we're thankful for the Apostle Paul this morning and his ministry for your church. And we believe that these aren't merely historical words, although they are, that these are actually living and alive, and that it's through your word that your spirit works to awaken those who don't know you and revive us who do know you. So we pray that you would revive us as your children, wake us up, and transform us into the image of Jesus. And also we pray for us as a church that you would conform us better to the image of Jesus as a result of this passage even this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So first, let's consider that. You can't, Christian, follow Jesus alone. In fact, uh, sorry, you are not meant to follow Jesus alone. In fact, you can't. Galatians 5 ends with Paul urging the churches there in verse 25 and 26, not to become conceited or filled with envy toward one another. Rather, what are we to do? We are to live by the Holy Spirit, that third person of our triune God who actually indwells believers and empowers us to live like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that unites us together. So much so, are we united together, that Paul says in chapter 6, brothers, brothers, we're brothers and sisters in Jesus. We're so united that God actually has made us into a family. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus. He's talking to a family. And what does a family do? Well, many things. But one, and I think Paul is laying this out here, is they watch out for one another. They look out for one another. And so let's just stop for a moment, I know we haven't made it very far yet, and remind ourselves that you are not meant to follow Jesus alone, and in fact, you can't. To try and do so is dangerous. It's dangerous. And it goes against the entire grain of the New Testament. Let me read you a few verses. Well, actually, we see in Acts chapter 2, which we talked about numerous times over the past few weeks, but what's the pattern we see? When Peter is preaching the gospel People respond in repentance and in faith. And what? They're baptized. And then Luke writes in the book of Acts that they're added to the church. This is the pattern that we see where the gospel goes in the book of Acts. Churches appear. As we see the great commission being fulfilled, churches appear. Side note, this is one reason why we want to plant another church. We want to fulfill the great commission. But furthermore, the New Testament is filled with these one another's, if you will. Love one another, John, church, John 13, from Jesus himself. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know that Christianity is a competition? <laughs> You're to show up here and be ready to outdo one another in honor and in good works. Encourage and build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5. Forgive one another, Ephesians chapter 4. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as you're filled with the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5 as well. Confess your faults to one another. How could we do all of this alone? I think the answer is quite evident. You can't. You can't. You can't do what Jesus commands you to do in his word by yourself. It's just impossible. You can't forgive somebody if you're a solo Christian. You can't confess your faults to another brother or sister if you're not in fellowship with them. And many of you all understand this, embrace this, cherish this, but some have the idea, and I think it can creep into our hearts sometimes, that Christianity is only just only about you and Jesus. Just like George Jones once sang, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. No, George. <laughs> Remember we considered baptism and the Lord's Supper over the past few weeks? And by the way, country music is a blessing. Some of it. <laughs> but George was wrong. Remember as we considered baptism and the Lord's Supper over the past few weeks? 
One of the aspects about baptism and the Lord's Supper that I hope to get across to you was that they both portray this vertical and horizontal dimension of the Christian life. Baptism unites you to Jesus, well, shows that you're united to Jesus, but then it also shows what? That you've been brought into the body of Christ. The Lord's Supper, we talked about you have fellowship with Christ, but also with his people. It's vertical and horizontal. Yes, Jesus is a personal savior. And I hope your experience with Christ through his word is intimate and personal. Christianity is extremely personal, but it's not only personal. You can't follow Jesus alone. And Paul tells us here in Galatians chapter 6 what we are to do. We're to carry one another's burdens. So you can't follow Jesus alone. Point number one. Point number two, carry one another's burdens. Christians are to live by the Spirit, Galatians 5. But what are we to do? Because as the song says, we are prone to wonder, we are prone to stray. Friends, the Lord knows this, and he hasn't left us without help. Of course, we have the Spirit indwelling in us, empowering us, and he convicts us of sin when we meditate regularly on scripture that guides our hearts, it lights our path. When we're in prayer, Ephesians chapter six describes that as spiritual warfare. We pray, it's a way of protection against us, but also our brothers and sisters lovingly pursue us if we develop patterns of sin in our life or we start to wonder, we start to stray. If you're on your way out of church this morning and you notice somebody through these doors trying to carry a bunch of boxes or books and it's obvious that they're struggling, what would you do? Well, I think it's rather obvious. You would help them. You would open the door for them. You'd say, hey, let me, let me carry that for you. Or if you noticed a young child at the end of the service running around in the parking lot with no parents around you would probably want to grab that child because all these cars are coming in and out and move them out of danger. All of us would really do these things without thinking. It's just what we would do. It's our reaction. But what if you see patterns of sin in another brother or sister? Is that something we're kind of ready to, to, to launch into? You know, we see somebody struggling at the door. I got you. I'll help you. See the kid out in the parking lot. Let's get him out of there. Brother and sister in sin, kind of back off, don't we? Perhaps we're not as quick to be involved in that. There, there may be many reasons for that. Do you lovingly invite them out for coffee and ask how their walk with Jesus is going? Or do you assume someone else will take care of that? After all, that's why you pay the pastors, right? You who are spiritual, Paul says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. He later writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You who are spiritual, I think is just referring back to those in chapter 5 who are living by the Spirit. If you're walking by the Spirit, you're seeking to follow Christ, you're obeying him, you're producing this fruit of the Spirit. Paul says, you who are spiritual, he's not talking about an elite class of Christians or a special group. He's talking about ordinary Christians. And he says, Help one another. Look out for one another. We don't know the exact nature of this sin that's going on here in Galatians chapter 6. I'm sure there probably was a situation, a real-life situation happening. But we don't know what the individual um, description or what's going on there. But it's evident that this person is stuck. He says they're caught in a transgression. They're having trouble getting out of it, and it's, it's becoming evident. There's a pattern in their lives. So maybe this is something like, People not showing up to Sunday gathering to fellowship with the people of God. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't respond to your emails or texts as you talk about praying for them or inviting them to different studies in the church. There's just different patterns that you start to see in their life. Paul says go after them. And by intervening and seeking to restore them, that's what we're after. We're after restoration. We're not after judgment. We're after restoration. In so doing, he actually says that we fulfill the law of Christ, the law of Christ. We look to Christ, the one who pursued us and carries our burdens. 
That's why we carry one another's burdens. The one who did not use his freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love gave himself for us. Let's just remind ourselves for a moment about Jesus. After, that's why we're gathered here after all. So to bear one another's burdens is the way of Christ. Mark chapter 10. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To bear one another burdens gently is the way of Christ, as he said in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for what? What is Jesus? He's gentle and lowly in heart. We fulfill the law of Christ supremely in our love for one another. You want to be like Jesus. Consider what he has done. He has rescued you, Christian, from sin and death and an eternity of separation and judgment. He's rescued you from that. Amen? And he calls us now to carry one another's burdens. As Christ has carried our burdens, so we carry the burden of others. But he does warn us, don't forget about yourself in the midst of this. Because we're not exempt from temptation. And he warns us of this. He says, keep, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Test your own work. Each will have to bear his own load. It seems that Paul understands and is aware that when we see another brother or sister struggling in sin, that can foster pride in our own hearts. We may be tempted, and we almost certainly will be tempted, to smirk sometimes over others who are overtaken in sin. We get the old Pharisee in us going, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. I thank you I'm not struggling that sin. And we kind of use it as this weird and really kind of sick pride, like, at least I'm not like them. And it kind of makes us feel better about ourselves. But friend, the church is not a museum for us to observe and compare ourselves with others. To do so is to be dragged into pride because we're not like them. Or to be dragged into despair because we're not like them. If we start comparing ourselves to others, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never find peace. We'll go to despair will go into pride. So he says, take care of yourself, watch yourself, even as Jesus himself said, before you judge others. And it's okay to make a judgment on others. This is so misused. But check yourself out first. Check the log out in your own eye before you do that. Take care of yourself and use your freedom to care for others. So don't be too quick to judge, but also don't be afraid to confront so if you're here this morning and you're following Jesus, you're living by the Spirit, if you're spiritual, it's okay to say that. If you're following Jesus, walking in the Spirit, who are you helping in this church? Whose burdens are you helping carry? And I'm sure there are many of you who could, who could give me a list, but I wonder if there are some of you who say, you know what, I, I don't know. I'm not really that involved. I don't really know people. And of course, that goes both ways. I'm sure there's things we can do better to help you know us, but there's also initiative that you have to take as well. So if you are spiritual this morning, if you're following Jesus, you're living by the Spirit, He's producing fruit in your life, who are you helping carry a burden for? But on the other hand, if you're not spiritual this morning, that is, you're walking, not walking in the Spirit, Maybe there's desires of the flesh that you're just giving into consistently, regularly. It's a pattern in your life. Who do you need to talk to today? Who do you need to reach out to? Who do you have some type of relationship with, this, with in this church that you can say, hey, brother, sister, I heard the word of God preached today, and this makes me super uncomfortable, but I just have to tell somebody about it. Friends, I, that brother or sister, a trust is not going to judge you. It's not going to condemn you. They want to walk with you in God's grace. 
Maybe you need to talk to one of the elders about this. So I encourage you to do so. Don't leave here being convicted by the Spirit of God and just walk out the doors. James warns us of that. He says, if you look in the mirror and you see things that need to be addressed, don't, don't just shut it and walk away. Don't just be hearers of the word. Let us be doers of the word. So let me encourage you. For those of you who are spiritual, who are living by the Spirit, you need to be carrying burdens for others. And those of you who are not, if you're struggling, you've got to make those known to other brothers or sisters or one of the elders here in the church. Life Together, kind of where I stole the sermon title, is a book by, was a German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And this was, of course, written while um, Hitler's regime was taking place in Germany and he was leading an underground seminary. And here's what he wrote. He said, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belaying, belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in our own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And that also clarifies the goal of all Christian community. They meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. We need one another, brothers and sisters. We're made for one another. When, when Christ saved us, he not only saved us individually, but he's creating a new family, a new humanity. Even as we thought about in our call to worship, one day we'll be gathered around the throne with no more tears, no more pain, and we'll be worshiping Jesus will be his people. He's saving a people. And so let's live life together as his people. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Why? for we have all come to share in Christ. This is just what we do as Christians. For those of us who have been brought into fellowship, into communion with Christ, we help one another. We carry one another's burdens. And very practically, one of the ways we hope to foster this here in Hamilton Baptist Church and soon to be Lovettsville Baptist Church, let me speak to all of us here for a moment, or any church, but especially here, we have these things called community groups. They're not a replacement for the gathering of Sunday morning, but they're basically trying to take a chunk out of that church and meet throughout the week so that you can get to know one another, so that you can pray together, so that you can carry one another's burdens. And so let me encourage you, if you're not part or connected to one of these community groups, why not make that a priority this fall? Kind of this is the season where we kind of reset, right? Vacations are over, getting the kids back into school. Well, why not put at the top of that list, getting plugged into one of these community groups? Make that a priority. Join one this fall. So you can't follow Christ alone. He calls us to carry one another's burdens. And third, here we see in verse 6 that he takes us and starts talking about leaders or teachers support your leaders or be committed to your leaders. Verse six, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So in this letter, let's be clear, Paul's making some assumptions. He assumes that Christians will be in the fellowship of a church. You go back to Galatians chapter one, you see he's writing to the churches of Galatia. He assumes Christians will be part of these fellowships. That's who he's writing to. And within these churches, he also assumes that they will be getting taught by teachers who they support. And he says, you need to share all good things with the one who teaches, which just seems to indicate some type of financial support. But there's also this sharing that is happening, which is really that word fellowship or communion going on. So you as a recipient of the teaching ministry of the church are not to be a mere consumer. You ought to support this work. And praise God, many of you do, for which I'm personally very thankful for. And I know the other pastors on staff and other staff men, members who help make that possible are so grateful for. 
But sometimes it's good to look at Scripture and see, hey, this isn't something that we just made up. It's from the Apostle Paul. But also, as pastors and those who teach the Word to you, we don't offer you a mere service, but this is a time of sharing the gifts that we trust God has given to us and affirmed by other believers. We're sharing this with you. This is a time of fellowship and communion, so it goes both ways. I find it interesting, as Paul is concluding this letter, we see that Christians are to be carrying one another's burdens and committed to their leadership. After all, if you're supporting, if you're sharing, if you're giving financial resources to your leaders, I would say that's a level of commitment. You're supporting this work. You affirm this work, which is also kind of another way to carry a burden. If all of us had to work full-time jobs, I can tell you it would be really difficult to prepare and teach the Word of God. So you're kind of helping carry that burden for us as well. Since I'm leaving Hamilton Baptist Church, or maybe the proper word is being sent out by Hamilton Baptist Church, I just want to take a moment here and, uh, and just remind you how blessed you are with the elders that you have here at Hamilton Baptist Church. And I, I can say these things. I'm not trying to, to butter them up. They, they don't make my pay anymore. Um, I just want to be honest with you. You have elders who love Christ and love his word and want to see the nations come to know Jesus. And you can kind of think, well, of course we do. They're elders. Friends, don't assume that. That's just not true of every church. You're blessed. You're blessed with elders who love Jesus who take his word very, very, very seriously. You're blessed with elders who don't take their office, their position lightly. You're blessed with elders who don't use this position merely for their own benefit, but for your good. You're blessed with elders who are committed to you. You're blessed with elders who want to shepherd you. You have people who actually want to be involved in your life and help you follow Jesus. So let them. I could just say that, and, and most of you do, many of you do. Just a reminder, let the elders, these men who God has raised up and who you have affirmed, let them shepherd you, let them lead you, let them guide you. So some practical suggestions for you. Well, for Josh and Stephen, first, just keep paying them. That's what this passage is talking about, right? So number one, keep paying them. Their families also appreciate that. Second, when Stephen or Josh preach, this is just practical advice, let them know what you've learned from their preaching or teaching and how it's helping you in your walk with Jesus. And again, I'm sure many of you do this, some of you do this. I'm just encouraging you, those who don't regularly talk about the sermon or email Pastor Stephen or just talk to him, he'd probably prefer you just to talk to him than an email, but just say, hey, brother, I, I loved this connection, or it was really helpful this week. Share that with them. It's so encouraging, so encouraging. Find ways to encourage their families, again, which you do. Just keep in mind, Josh's family likes soccer. Stephen's family does not. <laughs> just be a helpful guide between the two. And I could go on and on and on, but when they speak, or do something that maybe you don't agree with or you think could be done another way. Show them grace because we're all united in Jesus and God has given them this opportunity to lead you. And so this goes for all the elders. Just let them shepherd you. Let them guide you. Let them lead you. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Some of the weightiest words I think for any individual who holds the office of pastor elder for they are keeping watch over your souls and the, these are those who will give an account so yeah it's not just submit and, and obey us and that's period that's the end of it why because we're guarding your souls we've been given a responsibility by god and we'll give an account for that let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Nobody wants a grumpy pastor. So follow them. And as much as they're following Christ and his words, submit to them. 
The elders are given to you to guard your soul and will give an account to God. They are here to shepherd you, so let them. Again, many of you do. This isn't a word because I've heard of you rebelling against the elders. It's not that of just reminding you. Continue to let them shepherd your heart. Recognize their authority. Good authority is a good thing. Authority is a good thing. If, if you have a medical condition and you can go to a doctor who knows this topic and can examine what's going on and say, this is what you have and this is what you need to do, then you'll be healed. That's authority. That's a good thing. If you need to build a building and you need an architect or an engineer to build a bridge, you need somebody to tell you, this is how you need to do it. Authority is a good thing. And pastors, the authority that God has given them to study the scriptures, to be confirmed by gospel preaching churches, or we call that ordination, that's a good thing to have somebody dedicated to teaching you the scriptures. So this idea sometimes that we have in our society that authority is bad, authority is bad, it's not all bad. Of course it's bad when it's distorted by sin, but when there's good authority, praise God for it and follow it. Recognize their authority, trust their leadership. They love Christ, they love this church, and they want to see the gospel spread. Decisions are made carefully and together. That's what elders happens at elders' meetings. They're made slowly, they're made together. And sometimes they're aware of issues and situations in the church that you might not be, so trust them. Of course, the congregation has the emergency break, right? They start teaching false doctrine or, or going off on, on somewhere. The congregation has the emergency break. But how often when you're driving down the road do you just pull the emergency break? Not really that often. So the safeguard is in place, but as long as they're being faithful to Scripture, and they're following Christ, they're obeying His Word, and they're leading you to do the same, joy, enjoy the ride. Submit and imitate them as they follow Christ. As Paul would say, imitate me as I follow Christ. Elders are here to guard you, to shepherd you, to teach your word, but they're also to be an example for you as well. So follow them. Just a few, I don't know when it was, a few elders meetings ago, we as elders, no, because nobody told us, but it was brought up that, hey, we need to make sure all of us as elders are giving faithfully to this church. Not saying that we weren't. We just want to be reminded that we need to be giving faithfully to this church. We need to set the standard if we're calling all of you to give faithfully to this church. And so we just kind of made this covenant even with each other that, hey, we're going to do this as elders. That's just kind of a snapshot into one of the meetings. Hey, how can we better set an example for Christ and make sure that we're imitating him and doing what he commanded us to do so that others will follow us? And ultimately, you submitting produces joy. Nobody wants to be in a grumpy church. So trust them, follow them, submit. And briefly, back to Galatians. Paul warns us here at the end. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. It's easy to slip into the idea and think that our actions, our decisions, don't matter. And we just kind of glide through life. However, God will not be mocked, so don't be deceived, Paul is warning. He says, our actions have serious abiding consequences. If you spend your life sowing sin, what's the result? Decay and destruction. If that's what you invest your life into, that's what you will get. On the other hand, if you invest your life into walking step by step with the Spirit, you get life. And what you're investing your life into right now is very, very revealing of your eternal state. Again, I'm not saying Paul is writing that you need to do these works to earn God's favor or earn or merit eternal life. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying the way you live now and what you invest your life into now is very revealing about your eternal state. Makes sense. If you spend your life reaping, uh, sowing sin and enjoying the flesh, why would you assume that you've been transformed by the Holy Spirit of God? But if you're walking by the Spirit, not perfectly, but by His grace, you're repenting of your sins, you're confessing that, you're in fellowship with the church and you're following Jesus, 
You will reap that one day. The work will be complete. So what do you live for right now? Do you live for yourself or do you live by faith and in reliance upon the Holy Spirit of God? And in so doing, you are motivated to live sacrificially. Which one is it? To whom or what do you devote your time, your talents, your energy, your resources, your love? You will reap what you sow. What if you receive an email letting you know that a member of the church has lost a loved one? What do you do when you see that announcement, that real life situation, there's more children's workers needed? Do you respond to that first email with sympathy and compassion, thanking them for the hope that we have in Jesus, reminding that brother or sister that you're with them through this? Or do you just kind of ignore it? Again, assume there's lots of people in this church, somebody else will take care of it. What do you do when you see that email about the need to serve children, to help teach them the gospel, to help give parents an opportunity to sit in this congregation to hear the word of God? Well, I don't know if that's for me. And again, somebody else will take care of it. May we be a church. May all churches be shaped by this outdoing one another in good works, ready to help carry the burdens, ready to help carry the load. And again, many of you do this and you do this well, and this is wonderful. But let's continue to grow. And when we see a need arise in the church or an opportunity to serve, whether we even feel completely gifted in that area or not, let's just serve it because Jesus calls us to. And finally, we're to persevere in all of this. Paul gives this farming analogy, right? Verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. Why would he write that? Because it takes time. Planting crop takes time. I'm not the farmer nor the son of a farmer. But I know that farming takes lots of work and lots of time. He says, in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Let's do this for all people, but especially, as I mentioned, to those who are of the household of faith. Farming is messy. Farming takes time. Brothers and sisters, it's our job to love people, to walk with people, to carry their burdens. It's God's job to transform them, to change them. In Matthew 9, 38, Jesus calls the Father the Lord of the harvest. God is in control of the harvest. His timing is perfect. Whenever God decides to move, it's always the right time. So persevere. Don't grow weary in doing good. Friends, as Jesus promised, he will build his church, and he's invited us to participate in this construction project. It's magnificent. For it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is displayed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 3. Jesus stamped his authority on his church to guard his truth and proclaim the gospel. It is the church who is the bride of Christ, the body of Jesus, the family of God. The church is the temple of God built with living stones with Christ as the foundation and cornerstone and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God indwelling it. There are so many options to devote your time, your talents, your energies, your resources, your love to. You have so many options in this world. Brothers and sisters, I commend the church. The one, the bride of Christ whom Jesus loved and gave himself for. Carry one another's burdens. Be committed to your leadership. Don't you want to be part of something that God is doing? Give yourself to the church. All for the glory of Christ. Of course, next week you will send me out, as we've mentioned a couple times already. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit more next week. But as, as my final sermon, as one of your pastors comes to a conclusion, I just want to say thank you for giving a fresh seminary grad an opportunity to learn pastoral ministry. Thank you for caring for my family. They're somewhere around here. Even as we've grown here, we came here with two little Kentuckians, and now we have a little Virginian, so it's awesome. Thank you for caring for us so well. And I'm so grateful for all of the elders 
that I got to serve with here at Hamilton Baptist Church. John Clemens, I'm thankful for you, brother, and your care for this church. When you walk up to read scripture, there's just nothing like it in the church service. Thank you, brother. Of course, Mark Cochran, remember just sitting with him, and I didn't even have the opportunity to know him that long, but I felt like I did. He'd take me out to breakfast, to the diner I can't even remember the name of. Pine Grove. Piney Grove, yes. I just remember him sitting there talking about his experience as an elder, and he claimed he didn't know what he was doing, but he said, you just got to love people, and he modeled that very well. And of course, we remember two years this week of him going to be with the Lord, and so... But I can't think of Mark without thinking of Don, who, of course, is not an elder, but does so much for this church and just demonstrates the joy of Jesus. Like, literally, she sings sometimes. I'm just working in my office, and you hear this humming or singing. It's Don, because she loves Jesus. Thank you, Don. And Butch, you're just such an encourager, and you always remind me to get my hair cut. And Craig, who I I think he's traveling this week, uh, but just his perseverance in the faith and his steadfast love for the Lord, the guy just doesn't stop. And we don't want him to stop either. Think of Dave, your generosity, and he likes me so much that he's going to Lovettsville Baptist Church with me. And Tom Johnson, just his passion for discipleship. I made him go to Lovettsville Baptist Church with me. Josh, of course, one of the staff pastors here, just models a shepherd's heart really well. It's just so evident that he loves Jesus. He loves the people here. He cares for the people here, and he works hard at his job. He's gifted. Is that everybody? Stephen, I'm, I'm so thankful for you, brother. You just model such a healthy confidence. It's not pride, nor is he timid. It's just a healthy confidence in God's word. And he's faithful to you. I came here needing confidence. You helped me get that. I came here wanting to be a more effective teacher of scripture. You helped me, I think. I came here wanting to know how to lead and shepherd God's people. You taught me how to do that and continues to do so. And Jessica and Allegra. Allegra's out here. uh, Jessica is not. But thank you, Jessica. If you can hear this or listen to this, tell her I said this, okay? (laughs) Just She's been so kind to my family and loved my family well. I'm deeply thankful for that. And Allegra. You just remind us that following Jesus is fun. We need, we need more Allegras, so thank you. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Hamilton Baptist Church. It's been a joy, and uh, I'm so excited to be sent out from Hamilton Baptist Church to plant Lovettsville Baptist Church. And so... So may God bless our labors, and may he make more disciples of Christ, um, and may he plant even more churches as a result of this. So thank you. As as we conclude this morning, I, I would like to ask all of the members of Hamilton Baptist Church to stand up. Um, so if you're a member of Hamilton Baptist Church, just go ahead and stand. We've been talking about church membership and, and all of that. Um, I want you to look around for a moment. This is your family. This is who you're committed to, and this is who is committed to you. And if you're here this morning and you're not a member, don't don't be embarrassed at all. Um, Go to the next membership class beginning on September 19th and become a member of this family during the Sunday school hour. But I want us, and I want you all to hear what we covenant together as Hamilton Baptist Church. And so, church, I would love to hear us read and affirm our promise to one another as we recite our membership covenant together as a church. So let's do this together. The words are on the screen. Say this with me. We who by divine grace believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender our lives to him 
and have been baptized as Christians in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, covenant with one another as one body in Christ. Together we will draw near to God in worship. We will delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, grow in the knowledge of God, and submit to the word of God as the all-sufficient authority in our lives and in his church. Together we will hold fast to the hope we profess. We will strive for the advancement of this church and in knowledge and holiness sustain its worship of Christ, participate in its ordinances and adhere to its doctrines. We will maintain personal devotions, educate our children in our faith, and seek the salvation of the lost. Together, we will spur one another on to love and good deeds. We will meet with one another consistently, pray for one another regularly, and serve one another selflessly. We will share each other's joys, bear each other's burdens, and aid each other in sickness and distress. We will edify one another with our speech and encourage one another with our example. We will be slow to take offense and ready to seek reconciliation. We will humbly and gently confront one another, willingly receive correction, and eagerly work for the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We will cheerfully and generously give to the support of the church the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We will, if we are called by God to move from this place as soon as possible, unite with another church where we can carry out the principles of God's word. When we struggle to keep this covenant, we will rejoice in the grace of Jesus Christ that covers all our sin. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have brought us together as your people. And we thank you that we are not on this Christian journey by ourselves, but we have your spirit and we have one another as brothers and sisters in Jesus and we pray that this church in Lovettsville Baptist Church and the, the fruit that we bear would glorify you. And we want to make Jesus known because it's him we delight in and it's him we treasure in. We thank you for the good work that you have been doing here and the good work that we trust you will continue to do here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.